Hey everybody, welcome to Cheeky Geeky. I am Monet. And I'm Argo. And this is, well, it was supposed to be a bonus episode, but things happen. Life got in the way and we were only able to record this one episode. So instead of getting Theater Geeks Count 2, you're getting... Uh, the Hiddles Month episode, uh, Tom Hiddleston in Theater, uh, for this month. Uh, it's just gonna be the one episode. Um, we're probably gonna have to cancel cosplay, com- cosplay cosplayers and conventions this summer just because conventions are already announcing cancellations. So we will replace that episode in July with Theater Geeks Count too. So you guys will still get it. I know you guys have been waiting since last season. You're going to get it, I promise. <laughs> Eventually. Um, in other news, uh, this episode is obviously about Tom Hiddleston and his th- career in theater. Um, we're going to talk the first half about different uh, productions that he's been in. And then in the second half, Odegu is going to semi-quasi-interview me about uh, my experience seeing Tom Hiddleston in Betrayal on Broadway in New York City. Yes, and as I sent Monet, and if anybody wants to go check this out themselves, uh, besides TMAON.com and TomHiddlestonFanFiction.com, I help run and manage, and now I'm going to throw myself under the bus because it hasn't had an update in three years, Hiddlestoners.com, and it has everything up to Hamlet under career and stage. Okay. So it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have betrayal. But it does have some of the older stuff that we're going to talk about. Like Cymbeline? Oh, I wish I'd been around to see Cymbeline. I've seen pictures from Cymbeline, and it just looks amazing. And and him singing. Yes. Um, We we will have uh, a special announcement uh, regarding DOE, which is my Tom Hiddleston fan fiction, The Dysfunction of Evan, at the end of this episode. So if you are a fan of The Dysfunction of Evan, you might want to hang around for that. Um, I don't think I have any other Tom... Oh, I do have another Tom Hiddleston-related announcement. The The Hiddlestoners Army is going to be making a comeback. Yay! Um, it's going to be a new admin team. Um, and we're going to have more of a focus on Loki to start off with. And then as he takes on new pro- more projects, we'll do that. Um, and we're going to mostly just keep it as like a news thing Uh, a place to discuss his current projects and a place to discuss current news um 
We're not going to have any contests like we did before, uh, mainly because people were getting really greedy about it and were acting very entitled to the prizes, even though the system that I had created was extremely fair. Um, we're not going to be a gossip site. We're not going to be a, a place where you can post pictures and just kind of like drool and fangirl over him. Um, it's, I want it to be the source for Tom Hiddleston news and the place to go to talk about his current projects. So, but I am so excited. I am so excited to bring it back. And I feel like with Loki coming out, uh, which we have a release date is June 11th, which is my sister's birthday, so I'll never forget it. Um, I feel like with Loki coming out in June, this this is the perfect time to bring the show back, to bring the group back. Uh, I was kind of holding off on making the announcement until I had a release date for Loki. Since Loki's coming back June 11th, uh, the group will be unarchived June 1st. So you guys can look for that. Speaking of updates, something that has waited a whole year, I've finally been able to uh, to update that's Tom Hiddleston related. Oh, what's that? And I know you're going to throw me under the bus because <laughs> I still haven't read stuff, <laughs> but I know about released the final chapter of Getting Everything You Want, which is a, a Loki fan fiction. And I added a new chapter to a special birthday surprise, which is this super kinky type story, which I, I don't actually think you're into because it has um, it, it has the butt there. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you. I gave you permission to add a link to the mysterious girl in my Loki fan fiction on the website, and you never did for the Hiddles month, like you said you would. I don't remember. I What's thought. up with that? You asked me if I had. You asked me if I had any Tom Hiddleston fan fiction that you could put up. Because DOE was done. And I said you could do the mysterious girl. And you said okay. And you never did shit with it. Well, you know what? Now that you reminded me, apparently we have stuff to add to the website. <laughs> and I don't have to feel as good. <laughs> it, it has been a year, okay? It has been a year. You know what? And it really. Why. It really hasn't been a year. It really has. I, I won't even <laughs> I won't even argue with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm honestly surprised and I'm pleased that we're able to do today's podcast because there was a lot of real life stuff that got it in the way of this. So I'm I'm happy we are both here together and can discuss stage, which I love. And yeah. Which brought us together. So that could be, you know, the Ajita in your life. Yes. So are we just gonna go through all of this stage or just uh certain bits? Um 
I've got Playbill.com pulled up. And they've released a, an article, uh, Nine Rules You Probably Didn't Know How Tom Hiddleston Played. Okay. Uh, so we're going to start going through that list. I still think you could. Because already I've good. seen things. Because I'm, I'm already seeing things on here that I didn't know he was in. Such as, number one, A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, he no. did this during his second term at Cambridge. He played Mitch. Um, and it was during this performance, he, uh, it was after this performance that he applied to RADA. So that was super, super early in his career. Oh yeah. And he did, uh, Romeo and Juliet. There are all those two pictures of him looking super young. Right. Um, he was in Georgian Ozo, the man, at the Theater 503 in London. It was a play by Thomas Crow, and it follows the story of an innocent boy of the marshlands forced into slavery who eventually grows up to seek revenge. Ooh, that sounds good. In 2006, he was the leading role in The Changeling. Um, be, uh, the Changeling is about a woman, Beatrice, who is betrothed to Alonzo, but loves uh, Tom's character, Alzmiro. But tragedy ensues when she hires her servant to kill Alonzo. Um, I mentioned this one earlier, Cymbeline, uh, you can actually find pictures from his Cymbeline performance on the internet. I highly yes, recommend, um, I highly recommend looking them up. Well, like I told you earlier, Hiddlestoners.com, if you go to stage, there is a whole section that has, um, pictures, movies, not movies, well, videos of it like basically everything that you could probably find yeah. is on that page of uh of symboling. Yeah. Um he oh I learned something brand new. He was in Othello with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. At the Donmar Warehouse. I did not know that before now. Uh he was nominated for this role he was nominated against himself for best newcomer in a play. Nominated against himself, huh? Yes. <laughs> How are you nominated? <laughs> it means he got nominated twice for two different plays for the same category at the same time. <laughs> uh, he played Cassio in Othello. Um, I knew he was in Othello. I didn't know that he was in Othello with Ewan McGregor, which like, blows my okay, mind because okay. I'm, I, I love... I adore Ewan McGregor because I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I'm absolutely in love with the musical Moulin Rouge. So I have, I have, I get stirrings for Ewan McGregor. Not like fangirl stirrings, just like deep admiration stirrings. Like I, I genuinely admire Ewan McGregor as an actor. <laughs> He's old enough to be my father. 
And <laughs> I, sometime I'm going to tell you the Patrick Stewart story. Well, let's not do that today. Um, I never said it was going to be today. Okay. Uh, he was in Ivanov, uh, part of the Donmore Warehouse season. And this was in collaboration with Kenneth Branagh. And this was the performance that led to his audition for Thor, which eventually got him cast as Loki. Now that part I did not know about. Yes. So I'll give you that. Yes. Uh, he was in the children's monologues. Um, it's an organization that adapts real stories by South African children into monologues that are then interpreted by world-class actors to raise funds and awareness. That's kind of cool, actually. Oh, yeah, it was also in um, Ivano, and I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly. Ivano, what's that? Uh, I was in 2008. Like, if you've done Google searches, it's where he has the blonde, fluffy hair, um, circular glasses, and the goatee, and has uh, Kenneth in there. With that's, that's Ivanov. Oh. <laughs> we, just, go, I... <laughs> we just talked I'll about that one. <laughs> I'll go in my corner now. <laughs> He was in Coriolanus. Um, and that one you can find on the internet. That one is damn. so easy to find on the internet. Um, damn, that, that, that bed sheet though. Yeah, we recommend uh, watching it through legal routes. Um, <laughs> but we, we can't stop you from finding other ways to watch it. But we, we, we highly recommend legal routes. Um, because the more it's legally watched, the more access we're gonna get to it. I'm like Hamlet. Right. Ugh. I, I'm I am still salty. <laughs> uh, but Coriolanus is a beautiful, not just because you get some awesome shots of him in this bedsheet. It's basically a bedsheet, yeah. But it's like a tablecloth. Uh, it's out. very, it's very thin, and it leaves very little to the imagination. Oh. But you know what it's not? You know what it's not? What? Hamlet. It's not Hamlet. Oh my God, we're gonna talk about Hamlet. Um, Hamlet was a production that he did with Rada to raise money for charity, and you could only get tickets by winning the lo by winning a lottery and the thing is is that people wanted that to be recorded yes. and honestly i feel like they made a lot of excuses i feel like they would have raised exponentially more money for rata if they had televised it and made it a pay-per-view program or because 
people would have paid to see it on TV. People would have paid to watch it on the internet. The excuse that they made was, oh, well, the camera equipment would have fit, is one of the excuses that I heard, at least. Which is bullshit, because the theater that they did it in has had televised performances before. And I mean, Hamlet's one of my favorites. I absolutely um, love Hamlet. Did you see the Benedict Cumberbatch one? I did not. I saw that in Crimson Peak on the same night. Oh, nice. I got double teamed. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... Hamlet was the last theater production that he did before Betrayal, too. Yeah. But we'll talk about Betrayal after the break, and it's nowhere near time for the break. So, um, what other, what stage performances were not on that list that, you know... Besides the one that, uh, that apparently... I don't know how to pronounce because I'm bad. Ivanov, right. <laughs> yeah. um, there was Kingdom of the Earth by uh, Tennessee Williams. Okay. There was Untitled by Barbara Kruger. That was in uh, 2011. Some A super early one on the, uh, the year that I graduated the high school's One of his Tennessee Williams productions you can find on YouTube, I know. Let me see if I can find it. I bet you if I type in Tom Hiddleston... Tennessee Williams. Yes. Stories Before Bedtime Kingdom of Earth is uh is on YouTube. It's 27 minutes and 19 seconds long. I don't think it's an official source, but it's the only one that I see on there. That is the full length. So, if you want to see it, you can go there to see it. Because it's not an official release, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to give you any more information on it. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, did we lose the goo? Goo. Oh, the goo. We lost the goo. The goo is back. I think. Goo? Oh, the goo. Uh oh. That's not good. Okay. Uh, we're going to take an ad break.
Okay, technical problem solved. We're back. I hope you enjoyed the ad break. I know, I know. It's the same ad that you've been hearing from the beginning of the podcast. I am sorry. I don't know how to get new sponsors. (laughs) Maybe if I do a little dance and then sing off key, do you think that'll help us? I don't know. You can try. Anyway, when we lost you, Odogu, we were talking about um, how you can find stories before bedtime kingdom of earth on YouTube. So we talked about that. Go ahead and continue on with your list of performances that he's been in. Well, there aren't really many, like he has done stage work, but there isn't much. And a lot of it, there isn't much coverage for. And that's the thing that really upsets me and it's not just for him it's a lot of actors that have done a lot of stage work it's like there's next to nothing for so many of them and they'll be in productions that it's like man i would have loved to see that and there's next to no things that you can find even with the advent of the internet yeah um now i have to admit looking at everything minus minus hamlet i I will forever like i said be salty about hamlet yes besides that one the uh the ivanog thing that apparently i don't know how to pronounce that would be my go-to if i could pick anyone besides besides him singing and dancing with uh with with you know what does he sing and dance in um, it starts with a C and I, I, I oh, is that Cymbeline? Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize, I didn't realize, uh, he was in the musical version of Cymbeline. Yeah. You've never seen the, uh, the, like the super quick clip of him singing Hark, Hark, the Lark or whatever the words are. No, I haven't. Oh my God. I need to hook you up. You do. <laughs> I do. All right. Well. Let's go ahead and talk about Betrayal then, because I think to date that's his most popular stage performance. I think one of the reasons that is, is because it was so widely available and accessible. And what I mean by that is that it was one of those where he was popular enough and the production was easily go toable because. Besides Hamlet, which was super hard to get into, a lot of the other stuff was before he blew up. Yeah. Um, so was under the radar. So a lot of us who entered the fandom, we just had, you know, a few YouTube clips and some pictures where this is something that, okay, you know, super into stage, we finally get to see him do his passion. So I think a lot of people got behind it, even if they weren't really interested in the play itself, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, Before we get too far, uh, the Jamie Lloyd Company announced something on Instagram. Uh, Here it is. Uh, Tomorrow night. Uh, tonight, well, for me, it's tonight. Uh, the day this podcast goes live, because this is going live on the 28th. 
Uh, Sunday, February 28th, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us for a Betrayal Instagram Live recast reunion. So that is something that is going on tonight that everybody can watch. Um, <laughs> I know I'm planning on watching it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to the official Betrayal on Broadway website. Um, I'm just going to read you some of the reviews that are come up from this jamie lloyd's masterful revival from deadline a revolutionary interpretation of a classic new york times the play is so white hot new york post one of those rare shows i seem destined to think about forever the new york times sexy cool and confident revival new york magazine jamie lloyd's you know we already read that one so i mean this just got rave review after rave review after rave review. And it's for a reason because it was stunning. It was nominated for four Tony Awards. I was very upset that it didn't win any Tony Awards. I was shocked at that. Because everybody that did get to see it um, did say that it was good yeah. um myself i did try and see it but it just was not happening yeah like, not happening um hom hiddleston truly dazzles the hollywood reporter betrayal has never been done full justice on broadway until now the new york times zowie ashton is a breakout star of the new york times one of those rare shows i seem destined to think about forever new york times i already said that one charlie cox holds the stage with unbeatable conviction deadline a suburb a suburb triumph if you've never seen a production of a pincher play this is the one to see it stands above and beyond amnyc a riveting revival an expression of love and raw desire with heart racing excitement chicago tribune Entertainment Weekly writes, an unembellished marvel in a smart, stripped-down treatment. Over the course of the tense 90 minutes, we are treated to pleasurable shocks of irony and melancholy. The dialogue suggests the thrilling volley of a tennis match. Collisions are inevitable, and that is part of the spectacle. Broadway box star says, take a look back at Oliver winning UK stage career of betrayal trail star Tom Hiddleston. So, I mean, everybody who saw this film, saw this production, had absolutely nothing bad to say. Oh, yeah, not just the reviewers, but the people that actually uh, actually saw it in the fandom. Yeah. Um, not just the Tom fandom, but um, Zoe's fans, uh, Charlie's fans. Yep. Um... So I had the pleasure of seeing the production. The day that it was announced, I was at work. And within 15 minutes, I made the decision that I was going to go see this. There was nothing that was going to stop me. <laughs> and I am so glad so glad that I did because it was a, definitely a once in a lifetime experience. 
and I will never forget it. Now, I do have a question for you. Okay. Because, and I would like to get the elephant out of the room before we fangirl. Okay. And that is stories that I've heard about, um, basically, and this was mainly Tom's fans, um, being overly rude and disruptive to the point where you could physically see the actors getting upset. I didn't notice that. At least not when I went. Okay, because I I know that some reported it where others didn't, but um, there was something that I heard at the time where, like, you could seriously see how, like, how distraught and turned off I mean, the actors were, but were trying to be respectful. There were the- definitely fans who were being rude to other fans. I fell victim to it. But I didn't see any behavior that was picked up by the actors that made them visibly upset during stage door. Nothing happened during the production during the production that I went to um, that upset the actors while they were uh, doing the performance. Uh, see, it was so long ago. I can't really remember. No, there was so. there were definitely a lot of people going out to Twitter uh, saying that people were just downright rude. I know um, one complaint was that uh, somebody shouted out during the middle of the performance, I love you, Tom. Um, somebody was, uh, somebody was, else let their cell phone go off. Um, I, heard, I heard the cell phone and I also now remember um, some fans were leaving the production before yes. it was they were leaving the production before it was done so that they could be first in line for stage door. Yes. And there were multiple times that stage door was canceled because of that. Yeah, from what I heard, they were like, um, if we see you here before the performance is over, oh. that you'd be asked to leave. Yeah, there was one night in New York, it was after I went, that they actually canceled stage door because there were too many people there prior to the end of the performance. So at the end of the performance, the announcer got on the speaker system and said that stage door was not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that that, that has to be so screwed up on so many levels. Yeah. Um, and first off, it is completely disrespectful to everybody in the production um because you know as an actor or or even a producer everybody involved you want somebody to be there because you you are doing something you enjoy and they enjoy watching you do it and allegedly you're there because you are a fan of them and it, it makes you feel like 
dirty, you know? Yeah. No, I went because <laughs> I was a Hitam Middleton fan, but I also went because I'm a, a, a mm, sorry, I'm a Harold Pinter fan as well. So I was like, I I did a reading from Betrayal in high school for my theater pro for my theater class as a project. So I have personal connections to Betrayal. So, of course, I was going to be, like, jumping all over this to go see it because not only was Tom, but it's also my favorite Pinter play as well. I was like, what are the odds? This is fate. This has to happen. Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the one of the coolest things that I've gotten to experience, and I got to experience it, of all things, Phantom of the Opera, because I am such a Phantom fan, is Stage Door. It's, like... It, it felt so weird because not only not only does seeing something on stage is like going into another world. Yeah. But then being able to, you know, actually meet the people you just saw on stage and the, the fact that that people had to room that for others. Yeah. I mean, it's so I wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah. But girl. So, so you saw it. Tell us I all about it. it. Oh, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> actually, looking through my photo album from from New York right now, um, the theater was absolutely gorgeous. It was the Jacobs Theater, and it's just it is stunning. It's got such great artwork of ancient. Uh, Rome on the ceiling and everything is is gilded and gold and shades of and, and red velvet and just such a beautiful theater um I was super close too to the stage like I was on the balcony the second row of the balcony and the balcony in that theater hangs out past halfway through the bottom so I was like halfway into the dress circle on the second level so I was like super close to the stage um when he teared up I could see the tears in his in the crooks of his eyes um I could see the wrinkles on uh Charlie Cox's hands Ugh. <laughs> um I could see the pink polish on Zowie Ashton's feet. I mean, I was close. I was close. <laughs> and we could hear my husband in the background. You were that close. I was that close. I was that close to the stage. Um... It was, it was so beautiful. Words can't even describe it. Like, as soon as the curtain came up, I saw a pair of feet. And I'm like, those are Tom's feet. And the curtain came up some more. And the curtain came up some more. I'm like, I was right. Those are Tom's feet. And then I got really excited. And then they started talking. And I just, I got drawn in. And you think that seeing the third person in the background is going to be a distraction? Half the time, you don't even realize that the person's there. Like, when it was Charlie and Zowie on stage, uh, in, the, in the foreground, 
there were times I completely forgot that Tom was in the back. And the times that I did remember that he was in the back, his presence was numbing, actually. I found it quite numbing. It, it really makes you feel for his character. It makes you get more involved in the characters. It was same with uh, Zowie and Charlie when it was their turn to be in the background. You just, you really, you really felt the weight of the situations that these characters were in. And it just, the, the hush of the theater was deafening. Um, and it was marvelously done. I've, I've seen, I've seen different iterations of Betrayal, and this was probably the best one that I have ever seen. Now, I have heard that it is a Hang on, you cut out there for you cut out there. What was that? Now I heard that this is a very emotional, um, a very emotional. Play. Oh, I definitely I cried. I, I definitely cried. I, I heard a couple other people around me crying. It's it it really makes you think. It makes you reflect on on things that you've been through. Um. And you you feel like you are the characters when when Zowie is up on stage and she's she's talking to Charlie. You really think that you know you're Emma, and this the the passionate kiss scene between Zowie and Tom it it, it gives you chills. Because it's the halfway mark of the play and you've somehow magically been able to put yourself in these characters' shoes and you feel like you're them. So by the time that kiss comes, you feel like you're both Robert and Emma getting swept up in this kiss. When Tom is on stage with the little girl, it moves you to tears when he when he lifts you know the child up over his head and then when he carries her off the stage because she's fallen asleep it makes your heart hurt with how beautiful it is because you forget that he's just an actor and all you see is a father who loves his child And it's, it, I have no words. It's just, it is fantastic. And yet there's no recording of this one either. Exactly. That's what really, really pisses me off is that this one is not available for recording. And they say it's because they couldn't get the licensing rights, which I understand. Still, it's like. They said that it was too expensive to get the licensing rights. They would have made that money back. Yeah. Do you have I any have more other? Thing. Do you have any other questions for me about my trip to New York to see Betrayal? I do. I do. Yeah. So let's let's say you didn't see Betrayal. Let's let's go go that route for a moment. Okay. Um. 
any other one. Do you would you still pick betrayal? Yes. Why? Because it's my favorite Pinter play, and Pinter is not done very often. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So so this is the stars aligning. This was everything. This was the stars aligning once in a lifetime, this is never going to happen again thing. <laughs> okay. So what so other if, what other questions do you have specifically about betrayal? Okay, so now mind you, I don't know much about it. Um isn't it something about like a cheating couple or something it's like that? A triangle that involves an illicit affair. Zowie Ashton's character is cheating on Tom Hiddleston's character with Charlie Cox's character. Charlie Cox and Tom Hiddleston play best friends. And it's one of, it's one of the, it's one of those situations where she knows that he knows and he knows that he knows, but they don't, each other doesn't know that everybody knows kind of situations. So, like, everybody knows, but nobody knows, you know? <laughs> that was confusing. Yeah, that, that sounds confusing. Yeah. So, do they have, like, a daughter, or? Yes. Uh, the characters have kids. Um, I would, honestly, I'd have to look it up again to get you all the intimate details of it. Um, <clears throat> give me one moment. I'm going to pause the recording because we're running out of time to record and then I'm going to start recording again. Okay. So we're, we've got a fresh record going on here. So and the reason I'm forgetting so much about the, the play itself is because I'm so tired. I've been up since 6am and it is currently 2.30 in the morning. Um, so Tom plays Robert, Zowie plays Emma, and for the life of me, cannot remember Charlie char- Charlie's character's name. Um, Jerry, that's it, Jerry. God, how did I forget that? Jerry was the best man at Robert and Emma's wedding. And Jerry and Robert are best friends. And the play starts at the end of the affair and plays through to the beginning of the affair. So it's told in reverse. Wait, what? Yes. The play begins... The play begins with Emma and Jerry having lunch and a conversation reminiscing about their affair and it plays the scene it plays backwards through time and it, it picks out pivotal moments in time to play throughout and the play ends on their wedding day at the reception when Jerry and Emma's relationship started Yeah. 
And there's plenty of humor in it, too. Um, there's a scene where Robert and Jerry are having lunch, and Robert overpours the wine glass. And then we just see Tom lean over while the wine glass is still on the table. He leans over and sips the wine that's overflowing out of the glass. Um, there's um, another scene where he's eating and he's cutting using the cutlery so hard that you can hear it the the scraping of the silverware is echoing through the theater it's a scene where robert is trying to get jerry to admit that he's having the affair with his wife and he's not getting anywhere because jerry's acting oblivious to what to the undertones of the conversation robert's trying to have and it's hilarious So the acoustics are really, really good. As yes. Far as, okay. Yes, the acoustics are really good. Always have to, you know, think about. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have any other questions? Yes. Yeah, so besides seeing your dream play, what else did you do? Well, I went to Stage Door. I know you. And I, so the night before we went to check out the theater, we went to see what stage door was to see what, how they were running stage door. And I managed to slip in and get my, my, uh, script signed by Charlie Cox. And, you know, he looked at me directly and he's like, where do you want me to sign this? And I was like, anywhere you want. So I actually got to talk to Charlie Cox, which was awesome. Um, then the night of the performance after stage door, I went out, um, I live streamed the whole thing. It's on our, um, it's on our Facebook page. Um, I live streamed the whole thing. I got to talk to Zowie Ashton. Uh, somebody passed up the script and I shouted out to her while she was signing it that I had her book on order from Amazon. I was waiting for it to come and I couldn't wait to read it. And she's like, oh, you'll be one of like 12 people or some, some something like that. So I got to talk to Zowie Ashton, which was totally cool. <laughs> and I got her signature. And uh, I suppose you want to know a little bit more, don't you? I want to know why your ass is still alive. <laughs> I almost died that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was expecting dead body, you know, I'm black ready. And, you know, here you are. Here I am. So I'm going to read what I wrote so that I could commemorate the night. So that when it's 50 years from now and my memory is hazy, I could look back and remember exactly what happened and how I was feeling. And I'm going to read it exactly as I wrote it. This is long, but I wanted it detailed so I could remember exactly as it was. I was going to wait longer because I, I wasn't going to post this the night that I wrote it, but I ended up doing it. 
because I couldn't find the right words and I found them a lot sooner than I expected. When I went to New York to see Tom Hiddleston in Betrayal, I was excited at just getting to see him perform. That alone was a dream come true. I did stage door after the play and having gotten Charlie Cox to sign my copy of Betrayal script, I decided I wanted to try and get all three actors to sign it. Getting Zowie Ashton's was easy. Once I had hers, my goal was nearly complete. With the help of others around me who were who were nearly as interested to see me complete this nearly impossible feat as I was actually succeeding, I managed to snag Tom's autograph as well. I explained to the people around me what I was trying to do, and this really tall guy handed it up to Tom and got the signature for me. In my backpack, I had three letters, one for me and two from friends, all for Tom. I also had a bracelet that I'd made by hand of low-key staff that I wanted Tom to have. I wanted to present it in a way that would make him smile. A friend of mine had previously given him a low kitty, which is a cat version of Loki. It's a plushy toy. Uh, for those of you who don't know about Loki's army. Uh, subtle shout out to Sarah. <laughs> I had a Jotun kitty, which is Loki's frost giant form in my bag. I knew he didn't have one. So before I even left for the play, I tied the bracelet around the plushie's neck. I'd deliver the letters for sure, but I was only giving up the kitty and the bracelet if I could give them to Tom in person. I knew the chances were slim, and as I worked my way out of the crowd, my anxiety was rising. Too many people, too much noise, but I had a mission. Fuck my anxiety. This trip was about overcoming it. I pulled the kitty from my backpack and as, as I put the script in. Then I walked around to the other side and told the security guard what I wanted. He helped me get to the barrier, then I got the attention of Tom's handler for me. Um, actually, pause here. As I was trying to get to the barrier, there was a group of girls, and then there was just kind of like this kind of like space that was not quite big enough for me to fit in. And Tom was coming down the line from the from the left, and so I asked the girls if I could if I could squeeze in between them and the other group, not in front of them, but to the right in the direction that Tom was coming to the right of them so that they would see him first. And this girl just really, really was like, well, you're going to have to wait because we're already here for Tom and I don't know you. So you can just wait your turn. And I was just like really stunned because I wasn't asking to cut in front of them. I was asking if they could make space for me so that I could get in behind them. Anyway, the security guard overheard this and he got me up to the barrier and then he got the attention of Tom's handler for me Tom's handler Scott is hilarious by the way I love the man <laughs> I got a chance to talk to him after the show <laughs> um after stage door and everything anyway I told him what I wanted and he took the letters and the kitty from me and waved Tom over Tom held up Tom smiled and held up a finger then took turns with the the rude girls in front of me as he turned to me, my new, goal, my new goal became one that involved not puking on him as I was starting to have an anxiety attack. He will never know exactly how close he was to getting puked on. <laughs> the pea coat almost got thrown away that night. <laughs> I somehow managed to tell him that the low kitty was from low kitty's army and that the staff around her neck was made by me. Over the course of six hours. That thing took me six hours to make. That's why I sell it for $20. <laughs> he smiled in recognition of the mention of Loki's army and fingered the staff quickly and telling me it was very well done. 
Then I asked for a picture, and he said, absolutely, if you turn around. So I did and snapped a selfie with him. Uh, he said he he said something to me as he moved away, but I'm keeping that private. Only a few people know, and only a few people will ever know. He did seem impressed that I addressed him as Mr. Hiddleston, not once that I call him Tom. And he gave me a very big grin when I did. I could tell that he was tired. It was on his face and in his eyes and voice, but I think he really appreciated being addressed with respect rather than being screamed at and people demanding his attention. The whole encounter only took about three minutes, but it was the highlight of my trip, and those three minutes are ones I will never forget. It felt like a lot longer than three minutes, in all honesty. <laughs> After my time was done, which was really longer than most people got at stage door, uh, most people got like 30 seconds to a minute, if that. He uh, he actually brushed the handler off a couple times so that he could spend more time with me. I moved away from the crowd and walked off my anxiety attack, calling several people in the process. Once I'd calmed down, I made my way back to thank the security guard and the handler who made it happen. Several dreams came true during my trip. Meeting Tom, however, was never a dream. It was always a fantasy because I was terrified to be in his presence. I never planned on meeting him. I never really wanted to. It was an impulsive choice I made to try. I still can't believe it happened. It still feels like a dream. Even now, over a year later, it feels like a dream. I have to, like, look at the picture of me and him together on my wall and be like, oh, my God, it really happened. Bravery pays off. It really, truly does. I can't believe I managed to speak in full, coherent sentences to him. I can't believe I didn't puke or pass out or even cry in front of him. I did cry when I was safely away where he couldn't see or notice. I cried all the way to 67th Street and halfway back to 45th. I did it. I actually did it. Many who read this will not understand the importance of this or the impact it has. Many of you will not understand why it is such a big deal to me. Many of you will think I'm silly or overreacting, but you have no idea how deep my admiration of this man goes. Yes, I fangle over him, but following his career, getting to see his projects and wondering what is coming next, those help me with my depression. They keep me going. My passion for his work and his career, for everything he's willing to share with the world, gives me light on my darkest days. I will look back on those three moments, and I will remember them as the only three moments of my life that I have not that have not been tainted by my depression. I finally know what it feels like not to be depressed, and that's why meeting him is so personal and profound for me. He will never know how important his time was to me, but that's okay. He doesn't need to. I do, and in the end, no matter what anyone thinks, that's all that matters. I still can't believe I did it. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I took just enough pictures and just enough photo, uh, video to remember it. And I'll never forget it. And I am so glad that I decided to say fuck my anxiety. I went to a city that absolutely terrified the shit out of me. And not only that, but I went by myself. I went alone. Um, yeah, I mean, New York is a scary place. Yeah. I, I went to New York, and I can tell you it is very scary. 
Yeah. I overcame a lot of fears that day and I fell in love with a truly wonderful city. And I got to meet somebody that I, I very deeply admire. And if you have the opportunity to see Tom Hiddleston on stage, do it. If you have the opportunity to go to stage door, do it. It is worth it. It is very worth it. And it was definitely more meaningful meeting him that way than it would have been to have met him at a convention. It was a lot cheaper, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, My entire yeah, budget. No. I went to New York on a $1,500 budget. Like, that included travel, hotel, spending money, tickets for the show, food, souvenirs, $1,500. I only, I spent less than $1,300. So I, I even stayed under budget and it was still cheaper than if I'd gone to meet him at a convention. Oh yeah. So. And I mean, New York is an expensive city. Actually, I didn't find it that expensive. If you know what to say, send, send, stay. Yes, you're sending yourself. My hotel room for three nights, two nights, three, two nights, three nights, one, two, two nights. I can't remember. So two, three nights was less than $300. I mean, That's the room itself was the size of my bathroom, but... <laughs> That was a Tempur-Pedic mattress, and oh, that was comfy. <laughs> um, would I go again? Would I do it again if I had the money and the time? Absolutely, hands down, without a question. I probably wouldn't do stage door. Well, I probably would do stage door, but I probably wouldn't put an effort to meet him because I've already done it. I don't need to do it again. Save that time for somebody who hasn't had the chance. Um, would I do it for any other actor? Probably not. Uh, and it has nothing to do with with the other actors. It's just... It's an experience. It's an experience, and I've experienced it. I don't necessarily need to experience it again with anybody else. Because I feel like if I do, it'll take away from doing it with Tom. You know? Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So, so I do have one question for you. It's an important question. What's that? Very important. So, Tom Hiddleston in a musical. Oh my God, yes, please. <laughs> I mean, it's on the stage. I would really like to see him as the Phantom. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> 
I think he would make a really good phantom just because he has the ability to to show a darker side and still be mind-numbingly charming and charismatic. And you have to have that to be the phantom. Um, and he's a strong bane. Yeah. I would also really like to see him in what's that musical if he were younger i think he'd be a good christian in moulin rouge um but he's 40 now and christian is in his late 20s and while it could probably work i feel like he probably wouldn't, the role probably wouldn't appeal to him at his age. Um, were he still younger, I think he would have made a great Fiero in Wicked. Oh my God, why? Why you got it? Why you gotta do this to me? <laughs> I, I love me some Wicked. I know, right? Actually, off. for several years, he was my fan cast for the Wicked movie, the motion picture version. That we're never getting. The, right, it keeps getting put on hold. Ugh, fuckers. Uh -huh. Language. This is an explicit podcast. I can say the fuck word if I want. You're explicit. Damn right I'm explicit. Have you not read the sex scenes in Dysfunction of Evan? Have you not read Birthday Surprise? No, I have not. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I think he would also be good in Cinderella. But again, he's too old to play the prince. Um, I do think it would be interesting to see him play the baker in Into the Woods. I think that would be a good role for him. What about, and go with me on here, Gaston in The Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Maybe if Luke Evans hadn't already owned that role. Talking about stage musical, honey. It doesn't matter. Luke Evans has killed any other fan guest on fan castings for me because Luke Evans was born for that role. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I know, whatever. Um, yeah. But no, he's he's definitely somebody that I think should play the fan, should have the opportunity to play the Phantom. Now, here's the question. Should he play the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera, or should he play the Phantom in the sequel? Sequel. Yeah. I agree. As much as I love the Phantom and as problematic as the sequel is, 
uh, Love Never Dies compared to as far as consistency goes. The songs in Love Never Dies are, you're going to hate me for saying this, are so much better. At least the the songs uh, the song uh, the songs that the Phantom and Christine get. I sh- let me elaborate. Devil take the hindmost. Devil take the hindmost is so much better than the sword fight in the first one. Okay, you're 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 talking about that that movie that I'm not talking about. Okay, I'm not talking about the movie. I've. I have seen Phantom of the Opera four times on stage, okay? Where was there a sword fight? In the graveyard. No, there wasn't. The one the one time that I went to Toronto and saw it, there was a sword they did the sword fight. Okay, so But that was also right after the that was also shortly after the movie came out, so that might have had something to that do is- with it. <laughs> we gotta talk about this a different time. Yeah. But yes, that is why the sword fight is there. Otherwise, there is no sword fight. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, anyway. I've got to stop this oh, recording God. because we're almost out of time. Uh, so we'll pick it up in a minute. <laughs> okay, and we're back. You don't want to know what we were talking about. <laughs> we're totally talking about the Phantom in Coney Island. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and start wrapping up. Um, before we completely end things, we did get some listener feedback. Uh, Michelle Cox writes, uh, "I never got to see Betrayal, but I know it was an amazing performance and that he shined in it." But I do love to watch Coriolanus. The first time I watched that play, when he first came onto the small stage, I had tears in my eyes at the strong entrance he made. But don't get me started on the ending. Uh, Michelle is one of our longtime listeners. She's one of our seven listeners that listens regularly. <laughs> so we love you, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Um, so, unfortunately, we didn't get any other... Uh, Anything else from any of our other listeners, even though we did reach out? Um, Wait, what did Michelle say? We just said hi, and then you didn't tell me what she said. I just said what she said. Wait, what? I, about how she never got to see Betrayal, but oh, she liked yeah, Coriolanus? Yeah. I, I, I cloned her. It's okay. There is a second Michelle, <laughs> and she is cloned, and that's what it happened. <laughs> Oh my. Uh, in other news, I'm going to be starting a GoFundMe to raise uh to raise money for Odoku's uh memory problem. <laughs> what what is it gonna be? A dollar for a sticky notepad from the dollar store? Oh wait, no, it's gotta be like a dollar seven because tax. Okay. Um <laughs> You're ridiculous. We, here, we do have fun here. Um, so we got a couple announcements. Um, in April, in May, sorry, May, we're going to be doing a giveaway. <laughs> 
So May is our Star Wars episode, and in that episode, we will announce the winner. In April, I will give you a keyword. The first person who messages our Facebook page with the keyword will win the prize, and your name will be announced in May's episode. I will obviously I will let you know at the time that you message if you win or if you won or lost. Um, but the prize is a Star Wars shirt because I went to the grocery, I went to the grocery store and saw a Star Wars shirt. And I was like, oh, I don't have this one. And then I got home and found out I have two of them already. It's just too awesome. You can't. <laughs> it's too awesome. I can't, I can't stop buying it. So you have an opportunity to win a free Star Wars shirt uh for our star wars episode um so that is one announcement so keep an eye out for that um are you guys ready for the announcement about doe are you ready because i don't think you're ready i'm not ready you're not ready well you better be ready hold on to your butts so a couple years ago i started doing an audiobook of the dysfunction of evan and then things happened, and I forgot how to log into that uh, Anchor account so that I could continue recording. And so I never completed it. Well, it's coming back. I will be doing a new audiobook through Anchor. For DOE, I, it is because I have had at least six people ask me when I'm bringing it back. So this is the official announcement. It's getting brought back. It'll uh, I will start recording sometime in the summer, and you can look for it. I'm hoping to start. I'm hoping to release the first book in its entirety in August. So you guys have that to look for. Does that excite you? <laughs> it excites me so much I'm coughing about it. <laughs> I know. You're dying with excitement. Right. More than I died on that iced tea earlier. <laughs> right. Now, I, I'm excited just because it does take me forever to read anything, even if I'm really enjoying something. Um, so for people like myself, it makes a, no offense, very, very, very long, yeah. uh, story more accessible and less intimidating. Especially since with you combine all three books, it's like almost 80 chapters. Yes. <laughs> it is a very long book. Um, well, I think I, that means that it's a long listen. It, it is, yeah. It means I am going to have to learn how to uh, talk for a very, very long time. <laughs> I'm not doing it the same way that I did the original. I'm not doing it one chapter at a time. I'm going to do it one book at a time. So, 
it's going to take me a while to get it done, but I, it will get done. Um, I'll keep you guys updated here. I'll keep you guys updated on our vi <coughs> Oh, my God. <coughs> I'm thirsty. And I have a tooth infection, that just doesn't help. Um, I will keep you guys updated here on the podcast. I'll keep you guys updated um, on my face on my personal Facebook page, Monet uh, Art Deleuve, Wattpad author. I'll keep you updated on the podcast page. I'll keep you updated on Wattpad, and I'll keep you updated in the Dysfunction of Evan Book Club. If you didn't know there was a book club, you do now. There's a book club. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> um... And I am also super excited because I commissioned an artist and I have new book covers for DOE. So if you haven't, if you haven't checked out my social medias, go check out my social medias to see the book covers. You heard this announcement here first. I'm probably not going to announce the podcast on my social medias for another couple weeks yet. Just because I want to keep it special for you guys. Because, you know, you guys are special. You guys listen to the podcast, which Odugu and I pour our blood, sweat, and tears into. You guys deserve it first. Um. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> so... I do have one little bit of exciting news, and I haven't told you this. Yet. What's that? So, Team Aeon finally hit 1,000 subs on YouTube. Woohoo! Yay! <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. That's exciting. Um, it does mean that I have to. Uh, Plan and I was gonna do this after Hills Month. So once all the Hills Month shenanigans are over, um, a giveaway which uh, we should have details on. Okay. As they record. <clears throat> well, that's exciting, and we look forward to getting details of the giveaway. All the exciting news. <clears throat> yeah. So, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? That, I need more candles at the opera, but that's here nor there. What is next month? Next month? <clears throat> you would ask me that. Because <laughs> I know April, April is Star Trek. April is Star Trek. Next month? Yeah. Hold on, let me look. <clears throat> Season two schedule. March, we're doing, uh, March is an episode that you're taking the helm on. We're talking about the DC TVU. Ooh. Yeah. I promise, I promise not to turn it into Lucifer, the, the podcast. <laughs> Please but don't, because is. Lucifer will be getting his own episode uh, once we get season six. But he is going to get a, uh, a tip of the hat because he was in the crisis. Yeah. Um, actually, April is also your episode, too, because April is Star Trek. I know. 
And then uh, we have my episode, May, which is Star Wars. Which has ham hams. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> June will be both of us with the mo- with the Black Widow movie review. I should probably watch the movie then, shouldn't I? Yeah, it's definitely recommended. <laughs> <laughs> um, July uh, is more than likely going to be theater geeks, so we'll both uh, that'll be both of our episodes. Um, Another episode for both of us to home is uh, August, which is a Marvel takeover. Uh, September is a U episode with the uh, Super Legacy of Mario. Um, September, uh, October, sorry, is Scary or B-Movie Gold, so that'll be both of us. Um, both of us for uh, November, the toy favorites from yesteryear. Uh, and then... Uh, <clears throat> I'll probably take the helm on the holiday special, the second annual Geek Miss, like um, like I did this year, last year I should say. Um, and then uh, December is our season wrap up. So, but how much Magneto will we get in this? I don't know. It's a good question. None. We're gonna get nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, <laughs> thank you for joining us for the second annual Hiddles Month podcast episode. Um, we hope to see you next month. We hope that you listen for more than just Hiddles Month. Um, <laughs> uh, I-, I know Hiddles Month is our most popular episode. Last year's was almost 600 listens. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, kind of hoping that people will hang around this time. Um, we try to do fun things on here. Um, I just dropped $90 in marketing. So, <laughs> come on. Loud, annoying, and cringe. What? I'm sorry. I'm too loud, annoying, and cringe. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty loud, annoying, and cringe, too. So maybe we should change this to the loud, annoying, and cringe podcast. (laughs) All right, guys. Keep it real. We will see you next month. Oh, uh, socials. Uh, As always, they will be linked on the episode information. Uh, You can find Cheeky Geeky on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me, Monet DeLuve, on Facebook, Twitter, and Wattpad.com. Just search Monet R. DeLuve. Uh, Odigo. Team Aeon, we're on Twitch, YouTube, um, pretty much all social media, Team Aeon, and we aren't a news group, no matter how much Twitter wants us to be. <laughs> um, I will eventually be joining on Twitch. Uh, things are just kind of, like, snowballed. Um, <clears throat> life happens. Right, life happens. Cheeky Geeky is a production of Team Aeon. And MRD Productions. And we will see you next month. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.